Let's pray together before we look into the Word of God this morning. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to open your Word, to look at it freely. And I pray that at this moment that your Spirit would be free um, to touch our hearts. There are so many things that can distract us from hearing from you. And there are so many things in our life that sometimes we just refuse to deal with or we refuse to say yes to you about them. And so this morning I pray that in our hearts we would allow your spirit to have control. And I pray that you would be able to use your word in our heart to help us to see Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, We'll praise you for what you do and how you speak to us. Father, we also lift up our teens that are ministering this morning at our Gardner Church. I pray that you would just be with them as they lead that body in worship. pray that you would bless and encourage their hearts as well and use them for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been making our way through the New Testament and we find ourselves this morning uh, in a very short book, a, um, a book of just 20, 25 verses, the little book called Philemon. And uh, Philemon is a story of that Paul is, is going to kind of tell us a little story. He's going to give us a glimpse into everyday life. It's kind of a different letter in that it's a personal letter uh, from Paul uh, to this gentleman whose name is Philemon, and he's going to give us a glimpse into his everyday life. It's a story of, of Philemon who had come to know Jesus Christ. We're not sure. It's very possible that Paul was instrumental in leading Philemon to Christ. He lives in Colossae, and, and Paul had planted a church there, and it's, it's just very possible that that was under the ministry of Paul where Philemon came to faith, or, or we know that the church was growing, and it was, it was um, spreading kind of rapidly, and so those that Paul had ministered to and, and the other disciples had ministered to, as they're starting these churches, there's groups of people coming to faith, and and uh, their hearts are being radically changed. And Philemon was one of these guys who, who had come to know Jesus Christ and was living for Jesus Christ. And we know from this little short letter that, that Paul and Philemon were pretty close. Um, they had shared some life together. They had come to respect one another. They had come to a, a point where Paul could speak to Philemon kind of in a way that friends talk to one another. And if you read this little book over a number of times, you realize that Paul gets a little cheeky um, I, as, he re, as, he, as he writes back to Philemon in terms of he, he makes some statements to, to, to Philemon that are a tad bit sarcastic, um, a little tongue-in-cheek uh, when, he, when he talks to him. And so there's a rapport, there's a relationship that's been developed you probably have relationships like that with some, some people who are believers with you that you've lived life with that, that you can be pretty frank and pretty open and pretty honest with them when you talk to them. And that's, that's the picture you get uh, in this little letter that as Paul writes back, let me tell you what's going on. Well, Philemon uh, was a, a man of some means. We, we don't know how much, but he had, he had some, in, some, some ability in his life because he had some slaves. And, and the moment that we say the word slaves in our culture, we're like, oh, that's... And you've got to understand this in this culture that slaves were very common. Actually, in the Roman Empire, which is the time that we're living, we're talking about, the time that this is being written, there was a large population, actually in Rome at certain times, 
Uh, it's believed that about 50% of that population could have been slaves. And those slaves were different. They, some of those slaves were uh, slaves that were like we would think in terms of they'd been purchased as slaves and they, were, they had no rights, they had no freedoms, they had, they had zero ability to do anything except for what their master said. But then you also had a class of slaves that lived that, in that period of time that the, the, they were in slavery, but they had a lot of freedom, a lot of ability to move around, a lot of ability to do a lot of different things. So the classes of slaves were different, but there was a, a lot of slaves in the Roman Empire, a large portion of slaves. And this little book is written about a guy, and his name is Onesimus, and he was a slave of Philemon's. And as was typical in, in North America, the same was typical in Rome, if a slave got a chance... Uh, they may run. They may try to get away and get free. And Onesimus was one of these guys. And there's some who believe that he didn't just run for his freedom. He may have also robbed uh, Philemon when he left. He may have taken some goods. We don't know that. There's people who have made some, uh, kind of felt that that may be the case. I don't know. All I know is that Onesimus was a slave of Philemon's. He had bolted. He had run. So he had gone from Colossae, and he winds up in Rome somehow. And who knows, maybe his thought was that if I get to Rome, maybe I can blend in in Rome, and no one will know that I'm here, and I can live my life in Rome. I, I don't know. But in Rome, he somehow ran into Paul. And we don't know the events that happened, but we know this, that Onesimus ended up coming to Jesus Christ as well. So you have the master Philemon back in Colossae, and, and he's a believer in Jesus Christ, and he's actually fairly uh, prominent in the church. There's a possibility that the church even may have met in his home, um, but he's fairly prominent in the church. And then you have this runaway slave who is in Rome, who runs into Paul, and he also comes to Jesus Christ, and now his life is radically changed. And Paul writes this little letter to Philemon, this personal letter to Philemon, and he writes it as an advocate for Onesimus. You know what I mean, right? An advocate. One who goes before other people on someone's behalf. One who has standing. One who has been responsible, and, and maybe I could put it this way, one who has the chips, one who has who has done things and has a reputation that precedes him or her, one who has a, a reputation that what they do is honorable and what they do is right, and they stand as an advocate. And if you look the word up, it means this. It's someone who makes a public stand on someone or an issue's behalf. That's what an advocate does. And so Paul writes this little personal note, this personal letter, as an advocate for Onesimus. When I was thinking about this, I was re doing some reading and some studying about the background and the history and reading about uh, the slaves and the time period and all that, and I got thinking, and one of thinking, you know, all of us are Onesimus, aren't we? Stop for a minute and think about it. All of us are Onesimus. All of us have run away from God, our Heavenly Father, our Master. 
All of us have tried at one point or another to blend in, to disappear. All of us at one point or another have tried to do it on our own, in our own way. All of us at one time or another thought that we were good enough to make it on our own. That's what Onesimus figured. And all of us need an advocate. We all need someone in our corner. Someone who has a reputation that's good enough to stand on our behalf and plead our case. And say, yeah, this guy has blown it or this gal has blown it, but I know there's been a change. I know something's happened in their life. There's something different. We all need an advocate because we are all the same. We're all Onesimus. Onesimus was a guy, a person who at this point, before he came to Christ, when he was dodging and darting around Rome, he was a man without hope and he had no vision of a future and he was just hoping to survive. Ephesians 2, 12 to 13 say this about us in those days. You were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promise that God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Jesus Christ. Once you were far from God, but now you have brought near to Him through the blood of Jesus Christ. Once we were like Onesimus, once we were far away from our owner, from our master, once we were a people without hope. And when Jesus Christ came and did for us what we could not do for ourselves, we became a people with a hope, a people with a future, a people with a citizenship that wasn't ours, that didn't belong to us. That's the very definition of our position Exactly the same as what Onesimus faced. So Paul, as Onesimus comes to faith in the same way that we come to Jesus Christ and we understand we, we need an advocate, we need one who could stand before the Father on our behalf and plead our case. Onesimus gave his heart and his life to Christ and all of a sudden Paul says, okay Onesimus, it's great that you came, came to faith, but now, now you've got to face the music and now you've got to go back to Philemon. I can't keep you here. You've got to go back and you've got to face what you did. And see, often in North America, our understanding of being a Christ follower is this, that look, I'm a Christ follower. I, I understand what Jesus Christ did for me, but I don't want to change anything about my life. I just want to live life the way I've, I've lived it, and you can't do that. When you come to Jesus Christ, now you become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, and now your life radically changes in the way that you live your life completely changes. It doesn't go with what I want anymore. It becomes about what Jesus Christ wants in my life. And sometimes that's really difficult. And for Onesimus, this is going to be a really difficult thing. Because what you don't know and what you may not understand is this, that for Onesimus to go back to Philemon under Roman law means that he could lose his life. That's the price. The price of a runaway slave who who dishonored his master under Roman law, the, the master Philemon had the right when he was caught, when Onesimus was caught, to end his life. Under law is completely legit. Go for it. Do it. The cost, folks, is high. 
It's really high. And the cost of coming to Christ is really high. Because it means that in my life, things that were okay are no longer okay. The way that I used to live is no longer the way I live today. And for Onesimus, all of a sudden, he had to face up to what he did. And Paul sits in his corner and says, Onesimus, I love you. I love you. And if you read this, he says this, I love you like a son. I want you to stay. You've become useful to me. In what I'm doing, if you will read down through this, you've become useful to me, and I'd really like to keep you because you, you, you would be so helpful to me here in Rome. But the only way we can walk this whole thing called faith out is you've got to face what you did, and you've got to go back to Philemon, and you've got to make this right. If you look at Colossians uh, chapter 4, you'd read, you'd read this that Paul, in sending the letter back, of the book of Colossians, back to the church in Colossae, he says this, he is coming with Onesimus. In other words, I'm sending Onesimus back with this letter, a faithful and dearly beloved brother who is one of you. They will tell you all about everything here. In other words, Paul looks at Onesimus and the guys he's going to send back with the letter to Colossae, and he puts this personal letter, the little book of Philemon, in with the letter of Colossae, and he says, Onesimus, you and the guys are headed back, and you need to personally hand this to Philemon, and you got to face what happened. Wow! We want to come to faith in Jesus Christ and just forget it all. Paul says, no, you've you got to face what you did. You've got to make it right. You've got to live through it. You've got to work it out. So three observations this morning in the time that we have from this short little letter. Just three observations. This is not all that's in this book. You can spend some time in it yourself. I've read it over and over and over, and there's, there's all kinds of wonderful little principles in this book. But just three observations that I made, and these are observations about Paul being an advocate for Onesimus. First is this. First observation found in Philemon chapter 1 verses 4 through 10 is Paul reminds Philemon of who he is first. Okay? He reminds Philemon about who Philemon is. Let, let me read this to you. I always thank my God when I mention you in my prayers. Remember a couple weeks ago I talked to you about, about lifting things up before God, about praying, about getting before God. When things are difficult, it's often the last place we go, not the first place we go. And it needs to be the first place we go is right before God. Get on our knees and pray about whatever those events are, whatever's going on in our life. And, and Paul starts this little letter out the same way. He goes, look, every time I'm praying, I mention God. This guy came on, was on Paul's heart, Philemon, and he goes, I remember you often in my prayers because I hear of your love for all of the saints. So he has an ongoing relationship with Philemon. In other words, I think about you often, and there's physical evidence of your growth and development. I hear about the fact that you care for the saints. There's physical evidence that you're growing in your faith. Hey, let me ask you, believer, is there physical evidence that you're growing in your faith? The people that know you well, could they look at you and say, hey, when I'm praying for you, I can see the love that you have for the body of Jesus Christ. I can see the growth in your heart and your life. That's what Paul's saying about this believer. There's evidence that you're growing. And the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus I pray that your participation in the faith may become effective through knowing every good thing 
that is in us for the glory of, of Christ. For I have great joy and encouragement for, from your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. It's not just that you cared for the body, but you're refreshing the saints. Let me ask you a question, believer. Are you refreshing the saints or are you draining the saints? You don't have to answer out loud. <laughs> won't make you do that. Do you know that we do one of those two things in our life every day? We're either an encouragement to the saints, to those who are in Jesus Christ, and we're lifting them up and we're helping them in their walk with Jesus Christ, or we're pulling them down and we're draining the life right out of them. And we just, every time, do people turn and walk away when they see you coming because you suck the life out of them? That's a scary picture, isn't it? Paul writes this, this Philemon and he says, look, I know that your love and your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just that you're growing in your faith, you're refreshing the saints. They love to be with you. They love to grow around you, to, to grow in their faith with you. And he's lifting Philemon up as he writes this. You're refreshing for this reason, although I have great boldness in Christ to commend to you to do what is right, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love. I, Paul, as an elderly man and now also as a prisoner for Christ Jesus, appeal to you my, on my, for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. In other words, Paul looks at Philemon and he says, look, I know that you're growing in faith. I know that the love of God is working in you. And I could, I could, I could tell you to do this, but I'm not going to. Instead, I'm going to say this. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit and the growth of Jesus Christ in your life tell you what you should do. I want you to know something. There's a big difference between someone commanding you to do something and you learning what Jesus Christ or who Jesus Christ is and what the person of Jesus Christ looks like in your life and you do it because you're growing to become like Christ. Two very different things. One, when I'm commanded, I do it grudgingly with a heart that is often hard and resistant. And I grumble through. You may, if you've, if you've had kids, you may have experienced this, right? They know the right thing to do. They know the thing that they're supposed to do. But the whole time they do it, they grumble and they complain and they make you miserable while they're doing it, right? Or they just do it because they know it's the right thing to do and they're refreshing to be around as they do it. Well, as Christ followers, we can be the same way. And Paul says, look, my appeal to you is that you would allow the Spirit of God to be the Spirit of God in you, and you do the things that you do because God is at work in you. Paul reminds Philemon of who he is. Believer, do you remember who you are? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says this, that love in my life bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. The love of Jesus Christ working in my life caused me to show who Christ is to the people that I'm living life with every day. Believer, do people see the love of Jesus Christ in you? When you were bumped this week, did you just splash the love of Christ all over those who bumped you? <laughs> or what, what did you splash them with? You don't have to tell me. It's okay. Observation number two. 
Paul spends a few moments and he explains who Onesimus is now. Philemon, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. God has changed you. You're growing. You're a refreshment to the saints. Now, this is who Onesimus is. Once he was useless to you. Wow, what a way to start. <laughs> Jay, wouldn't you love it if, if that's how it, Once Jay was useless, but now, <laughs> right? That's how he starts. He says, once Onesimus was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. And I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. In other words, Paul starts using some of his chips, his relational chips here, and he says, look, I'm not just sending this guy back. I'm sending an extension of me back to you. This guy's completely changed. His life is no longer what it was. I'm sending my very own heart back to you. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that, you, so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. He is especially so to me, but much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul stops for a moment. He says, remember Philemon, I told you who you were in Jesus Christ, but this guy who ran away, this guy who was useless. Hey, by the way, stop right there for a minute. That was all of us. That was all of us. We were all useless. Without Christ, We're self-centered, self-engaged, self-absorbed. We're useless to the kingdom of God. The Father who created us, we were no good to Him. Paul looks at this guy and he says, this guy who was useless to you, he's completely changed and I'm throwing all my chips in, all of my reputation. He's changed. And God's love has radically changed his heart. And folks, you and I stood before the Father with sin in our lives and we were useless to the Father because that sin separated us from a holy God. And until Christ, our advocate, showed up and made the sacrifice, the only sacrifice that could be made on our behalf, until he did that for us, there was no way we could reach the Father. We were useless. But once we accept what Christ did on our behalf on the cross, that which was useless, that person that was useless, now becomes useful to the Father. He's useful to you. He's changed. It's radical. It's a, it's a work that only God can do. The change is amazing in you and I. And Paul says, look, he was... The change has been so great in this young man or this, this guy, this slave, that I wanted to keep him for myself. But I didn't want to take anything away from you, Philemon, because the rights are yours. And the decision is yours to make. And you need to make it. 
And so Paul makes an argument that Onesimus, because of Christ, is a changed man. Onesimus, who was once a runner, is now stable. Hey, you were once a runner. Stop there for a minute because believer in Jesus Christ, sometimes we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we understand our need of a Savior, and we accept what Christ did on the cross for us, but we tend to return to our old ways. And some of us as believers in Jesus Christ, in this area right now, right here listening to me, you're running. As a Christ follower, you're running. Oh, you've given your heart to Christ, but God in His grace and in His mercy and through His Holy Spirit has come to you and asked you to do some things in other people's lives. He's asked you to be engaged in ministry in certain ways. He's called you to do things in your family's lives. And instead of doing it, you've turned and run the other way because it's too hard. We're all Onesimus. We're all runners by nature. We don't want to follow through with what God asks us to do. And so we run our own way and we do our own thing. And Paul is calling Onesimus. He called Philemon, but he's calling Onesimus too. And he's saying, he's no longer a runner. You can count on it. He's going to be stable. He'll follow through. He'll do the right thing. Let me ask you, believer, how about you? Will you follow through? Will you keep going? Instead of being a runner, will you be stable? Will you live out your faith? Will you grow the way God is pulling you to grow and asking you to grow? Will that change be made in you? Observation number three. I'll wrap it up with this. Observation number three. Paul says this. I'll pay the difference. If there's a cost involved in this whole thing, if there's something that Onesimus owes you, I'll pay for it. I'll do it. This is what an advocate does. He stands in the gap. He uses his reputation. He uses the chips that he's gained emotionally and mentally and physically with that other person. And he says, look, whatever the debt is, whatever's owed, I'll pay the difference. I'll make the difference. He makes a public declaration that I'm in. I'll plead your cause. I'll be there. I'll make the difference. And that's what Paul does for this, this young believer. In, in Philemon chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, he says it this way. So if you consider me a partner, he's talking to Philemon, welcome him as you would me. And if he has wronged you in any way, or he owes you anything at all, charge that to my account. Charge that to me. Because of our relationship, Philemon, I'm throwing it all out there. I'm throwing it all on the line. You can count on me. Whatever this guy robbed you of, whatever this guy took, I'll pay it back. Just restore the relationship. Make it right. Treat him like you would treat me. That's how far I'll go for him. And in case you and I missed it, we're Onesimus. We need someone who will stand on our behalf and go, I'll pay the difference. And Christ did that for you and I. In case you missed it, you and I need an advocate. We need someone who will fight on our behalf all the time. Romans says it this way, For while we were still hopeless, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That was me. That was you. 
He goes on and he says it this way, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory because we have an advocate, Jesus Christ, and when we accept what our advocate Christ has done for us, we have confidence. We can stand before God. I belong. Why? Not because of what I did, but because of what Christ did. I was Onesimus, the runner, the one who had ran away, the one who deserved to die. And, and through Jesus Christ, I stand confident before God. I belong. I'm here. My little children, I am writing you these things so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He himself is atoning sacrifice for our sin, and not only ours, but those of the whole world. Jesus Christ goes to bat on our behalf, on all of ours. And if you've experienced the love and the grace and the forgiveness of the advocate Jesus Christ, let me ask you to do something this morning. Give it away. Let others experience that same forgiveness. I can guarantee you that if Onesimus went back, which he did, he took the letter back, and if Philemon forgave him, which were left, I, bl I believe he did. I think he did. But I bet you that Onesimus never stopped telling the story. You know that? I bet it. I bet every time he said, I bet people got tired of the story. He told it so much. I deserve to die. I ran away. I robbed my owner. But Paul pointed me to Jesus Christ and he saved my life. And you can have it too. Folks, if that happened to you, if that's really happened in your life, your mouth should never be closed because it radically changed who you are. You were a runner and you needed an advocate, and you have one in Jesus Christ, and he has saved you, he has forgiven you, he has given you mercy and grace and forgiveness and hope, and if he's really given it to you and you've really experienced it, you can't keep quiet. Give it away. Give it away. Father, would you grant us the courage to take what we've learned about Jesus Christ and what Christ has done for us? Would you grant us the courage to give it away, to speak of it often? It's not something we should hide. It's something that we should explain and offer to those around us. God, we know that we're all Onesimus. We're all runners. We all needed a Savior. And thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, the one who saves us and who presents us as holy before the Father. Thank you for that. We could not do that on our own. We're aware of that. So allow your spirit to encourage us, to refresh us, to renew us, and to push us to give away what we've been given. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You are so good to us.
Help us to remember that you fight for us. Help us to remember that you, you grabbed us when we were running. And help us to proclaim it forever. Open up our eyes. Help us to see who you are and who we are because of your love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.